Hey, you're listening to Continental Drift Student Spotlights, where I present you with interviews I've done with Muhlenberg students, faculty, alumni, and even people outside of the Muhlen bubble. All of this is my way of trying to collect stories about how COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter have affected the people important to me and probably important to you too. You can get more updates about my show on Instagram at continentaldrift.wmuh or you can listen to my radio show where I air these interviews live every Monday, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on 91.7 FM, or go to wmuh.org. Again, that's every Monday, 8 to 10 p.m. But that's not why we're here. We're here for these stories. And thank you so much for listening to them. My student interview for this episode is Brooke. And I've asked her to join me because she's incredible, duh. But also, she's a good friend of mine from Muhlenberg and the editor, or the she was the editor-in-chief of The Weekly this past year, but she just graduated from Muhlenberg. So, um, Brooke, do you have anything to say? Like, tell us a little bit about yourself, anything other than what I said about what our listeners should know. Yeah, I just graduated from Muhlenberg uh, with a Bachelor of Arts in English and Media and Communications. I double majored. I studied abroad in Dublin, Ireland during my junior year, which is, was a really kind of formative experience for me. And I interned there at a music magazine and got to interview a lot of cool people. So that was, you know, a really big kind of foray into journalism for me. But yeah, I've been involved with the Weekly since my freshman year. I was a writer and then the editor of the arts and culture section. And then during this year, my senior year, I was the editor in chief. And yeah, I love comics. I love uh, Hawkeye, especially. <laughs> um, I love to draw and, you know, write and sing and all that stuff. So yeah, that's me. Yeah, you're part of the, the last thing where you said you love to sing. You're part of Girls Next Door, our all lady acapella group at Muhlenberg. Oh, yes. The beautiful voice. But <laughs> we're not here to talk about that. I really want to talk about your involvement in the weekly and just hear a little bit more about what that was like. Like, give us an idea of what it takes to run a college newspaper. What does, what are production nights like? What's it like to collect stories? Just what is the weekly and your involvement, basically? Oof. Um, The weekly is a lot of things. Uh, I think first and foremost, it's a student-run newspaper. So we have a faculty advisor, Professor Sarah Vigneri, who is the best. She is the greatest. But she does not decide any of the content that goes in the weekly. You know, she's there kind of as a guide, as a mentor. But, you know, we are an independent newspaper as possible, as independent as we can be at a private institution like Muhlenberg. And, you know, we're, we're, funded with uh, student government money. So we're our own thing. And we, you know, are basically there to to be the voice of the students. Um, we have writers for four different sections. We have a news section, an arts and culture section, an opinion section, and a sports section. Um, our paper is 12 pages long. 
And uh, we have editors for each of those sections. And then we also have some layout editors and some photography editors and all of that stuff. And uh, it's an amazing, amazing community. And it's one that you can be involved with as deeply or as you know shallowly as you'd like. You can write one article and then dip, like that's it mm -hmm. for you. <laughs> um, or you could you know, become the editor in chief and, and spend every Tuesday night and Thursday afternoon there, you know, just kind of, wailing away at this paper and yeah. making it uh, as amazing as it's possible to be. So every Tuesday night is our production night, um, or it was when we were on campus. Mm -hmm. And basically, you know, I would show up there at 3.30 and our advisor would also be there and, and maybe our managing editor who uh, this year was Melissa Rep. Mm -hmm. um, and we would, you know, just kind of chill there, start editing and reading articles, which we'd gotten in over the weekend or on Monday or uh, in some of the less desirable cases on Tuesday night. <laughs> Um, which happened way too frequently, but it's fine. Um, you do what you got to do. But yeah, it was, you know, we would start editing then and then some of our editors uh, would kind of trickle in around 5.30, 6.30-ish. And from about 5 or 6.30 until the very end of the night, uh, we would be there and, and, you know, people go out and eat dinner. We get, you know, these little GQ vouchers from uh, dining services. That's oh. kind of a tradition where we all go and get, you know, GQ at different points in the night. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I would, it's usually me and the two uh, layout editors and our managing editor and Professor Vigneri who will stay the whole night. And uh, there were times when we were out by 1230, which were major victories. They were amazing. <laughs> um, and then there were times when I think our first issue, we were out at 330 in the morning, <laughs> uh, which is actually not too bad. But <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> I mean, you know, there have been there have been times I have never witnessed this. But, you know, in the last year, there were times when at least one time when people were there until 5.30 or 6 in the morning. Oh my, but what, what takes, why does it take yeah. so long? Um, it's mostly, I would say, because of, of the labor that it takes to put the layout of the paper together. Mm. Um, so there's two layout editors who have to lay out the entire paper that night. Mm. Um, so they basically have to graphic design a 12-page uh, issue every week. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm there as a kind of delegator and as the, you know, chief editor. So I read every single thing that goes into the paper at least twice. Uh, that's how I liked to do it. So I think that um, took up a bit of time because not only does every editor of every section have to uh, read all of their pieces and edit them and in a lot of cases, you know, write them that night or have people turn them in really late and then we'd be waiting for like a news article or something. Yeah. But, you know, not only would they have to edit and read them, but after that, I would then have to, you know, edit and read them and we, uh, you know, kind of put it into a, a draft layout and then print it out. And then we would edit and read them all by hand and on paper again. And I'm uh, realizing this is all in one night. Like, I'm yes, all in one night. Things. Yes, yeah. Sometimes we would, you know, get photos in really late. So we're there, you know, just kind of waiting for photos. But also it's, you know, just such a fun kind of community building yes. uh, thing. So I yeah. think that part of the reason we're there for so long is because we're enjoying each other's company. You know, like we're... Of course, yeah. You know, blasting music and you know talking about TikTok or whatever yeah, <laughs> like yeah. uh, ridiculous topic of conversation it is that night um and you know the weekly editors and and our writers who choose to kind of stop in and hang out with us we're all a big family and I care deeply so deeply about all of them and 
you know, their different endeavors at this school. And we've, we've become really close, I think, throughout mm-hmm. this year. And they're just all such an amazing, you know, bright, funny, and extremely talented group of people yeah. um, who all kind of come together to make this thing happen every week, which is really cool to be a part of. There is certainly a lot of value in having all these people with such a deep appreciation for carrying stories forward, just sitting around for not just sitting around, but like being together, I mean, yeah. that extensive period of time actively working on that project. That's incredible. And it's a variety of majors though, right? It's not just English or just media comm. No way. Definitely. Yeah. We have people who are into business. One of our former layout editors, GQ, uh, it was in the sciences yeah. and the math, yeah. you know, all of those things. So uh, people come from all corners of, of this campus and we've had theater majors on our staff and, you know, people who are in neuroscience, you know, there's mm-hmm. so many people from such a diverse kind of range of, of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. No, I, I wanted to highlight that because I think it is amazing that you can carry, like you said, the voices of students, like the voice of the school, but even the people editing, there is a certain quality that you need there as well, because those are the eyes that kind of scan it over and allow it to then reach the next step. So you need a variety there as well. So I appreciate that it's this a diverse bunch in this family. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we're always, of course, working on that that diversity in so many different dimensions and um, trying to bring on, you know, so many more perspectives. So we want every every kind of person in every possible way to be on the staff of the weekly and, and to write for us. Um, And we've had a lot of amazing people, you know, come on in the past year with some new initiatives that we've been doing, such as yourself, (laughs) and, you know, submit to the weekly, which I love. I love when new people, even if they just submit once or twice, I love to to see their names in print. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that initiative that you're referencing there? (laughs) Um, So this past summer, actually, um, I was having a conversation, you know, with my dad, Uh, And he was saying, you know, I have this amazing, amazing concept for you and you're going to do it in the weekly and it's going to rock. And I was like, okay, what is it? Very suspicious. Um, But he was like, you know, what if you, you know, published articles in in different languages and allowed people just to kind of write, you know, op-eds or anything, you know, from their, their own perspective in, in you know, either their native language or a language that they want to work on more or something like that. And I thought that was such a cool idea. Yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of tweaked it a bit and I workshopped it with all my editors and eventually it became this thing uh, called Speaking Your Language, which became a column in our, our op-ed section. Yeah. Um, and people, it originally was just going to be, you know, like people could write a theater review in a different language or, you know, uh, an opinion piece, but it became more of a creative outlet mm-hmm. for, you know, poetry and, and plays and storytelling. Um, and we had everything from, you know, I, I believe that there was a piece in, in Spanish about the El Paso shooting, mm-hmm. um, which was a very serious kind of op-ed article. And then we had you know, you wrote a poem, uh, which was beautiful. Thank you. There was, you know, a play that we had uh, written in, in Mandarin Chinese. So there were just so many different kind of, of things that appeared there, which was really cool. Um, and in the paper, it was completely printed uh, just in whatever language and whatever form that the writer had wanted. And the English translation was only available online. So it kind of both drew traffic to our website and allowed the, the language to 
um, just be presented in however the original writer wanted to present it. Yeah. Um, and then if people wanted to find out more about its meaning, then they, they could, they had to, you know, do the work do for the it, work. which I think yeah. is, you're both uh, creating no, space for those languages, but also encouraging that extra effort to learn more. I loved that. Like I said, that's why I wrote the one poem for it, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think a, a major reason why I wanted you on the show is because there is such an appreciation for the weekly that might not be actively voiced, but I think any student can notice the different kinds of work that the newspaper does. Just this initiative that you're talking about, I know how it personally impacted me, was giving me a reason to finally explore, you know, maybe I could write in, even though Hindi is not my native language, but it's a language I'm very familiar with. So why don't I try doing that and writing through that lens? And it changed the way I wanted to approach poetry in that sense. Even if, you know, anyone listening, maybe you're in an area where you don't actively read the, the Muhlenberg Weekly. Maybe you're not a Muhlenberg student, always up on the Muhlenberg News. But I think this kind of conversation can spark ideas for different ways to carry stories forward in different forums, I'm hoping. Yeah, but, yeah. absolutely. We've had some amazing, people do read the weekly. A lot of people read the weekly, uh, which I think, you know, I, I think that like there's this kind of attitude where it's like, oh, like it's such a small paper, like no one picks up the print copies, but that's just not true. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had instances where, you know, M. Panetta, who's a really amazing friend of yeah. mine, yeah. Uh, they wrote an article about, you know, the, the gender-neutral bathroom inaccessibility at, at Muhlenberg. And once that was published in the weekly, within the next week, there was a map that had been created and was put up on Muhlenberg's website where it listed every building and every exact spot where a gender-neutral bathroom existed at the school. And M then started working with the school to help you know, increase the, the visibility of these bathrooms, which was so amazing. And that was, you know, kicked off by a weekly article. And, yeah. you know, there was all this drama with the, the student government it's budget. Good. I'll this year. never forget <laughs> that. Yeah. No, certainly not. Uh, which definitely our reporting uh, caught the administration's attention and yeah. the students' attention because I think a lot of times we report on things that are kind of nebulous and hard to understand in these like long emails that were being sent out. So, you know, we kind of took that and, and made it digestible and, and understandable. And I think it, it got a lot of people concerned in the right way. And I think yeah. that, you know, it engaged a lot of students. So people do read the weekly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it has made some re really pretty cool changes at, at Muhlenberg. Yeah. And now thinking about the climate that we're in, the, you know, the pandemic climate that we're in, you've written articles about, you know, the college's decision to close and the school's, or the students' opinions on that or the ASA's off-campus advocacy work. But I'd imagine that you have to remain pretty unbiased while presenting those opinions. So how do you manage to do that? I think it's hard at a school like Muhlenberg where um, everyone knows everyone mm -hmm. and everyone, you know, you have kind of your circle of friends and, and it's hard to, you know, kind of break out of that and get different opinions. Um, but the way that, you know, in a news piece, especially, you kind of have to, you know, just present what has happened. So I'm really lucky that I have, I'm not a news writer myself, typically. Um, I'm definitely more on the arts and culture -y side of things. Yeah. Um, but I'm really lucky that, you know, I have 
Melissa, who was a former news editor as my managing editor, um, who, you know, would look over those articles for me and, and help, you know, kind of flatten everything out and yeah. make sure that everything that was coming out of, you know, my fingertips as, as the writer was not, you know, presenting too much of a bias. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the way that we get opinions in there is by talking to students. Again, mm-hmm. this whole thing with, you know, kind of just giving voices a platform. So mm-hmm. what I wanted to do with the, the article that was written in like the last day before we left campus um, was I just hung out in GQ and I like put something on my Instagram story <laughs> being like, if you want to come talk to me about this, like do that. And I yeah. think you know, one or two people did, but otherwise I just kind of walked around and, and went up to people and was like, do you want to give me a quote? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, if they did, then, you know, I, I recorded it and I would transcribe it really quickly with this new, you know, software that we have. Um, and, you know, at that, at the bottom of that article, it was just a list of quotes. Um, yeah. Here's how the students feel about it. And yeah. then it was just, you know, a section of four or five quotes from people of, of different ages um, you know, I had uh, one of my friends who is an international student from China kind of talk about how she, her family had gone through this, you know, months mm-hmm. before and mm-hmm. how, you know, she was hopeful. And then there were seniors who were upset and disappointed. So, you know, there were so many different, you know, opinions that I, I tried to gather there because, you know, Muhlenberg didn't stop when mm-hmm. we went off campus. People are still doing their thing. And I wanted to, you know, as much as possible, kind of keep the weekly alive in, in that way that we're still, you know, getting out to people the fact that things haven't stopped. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just realized listening to you that I think on my show or in my past interviews, I've said a lot about the bravery that it takes to step forward and put your voice out there and just keep showing up. Like I definitely think that's been a theme throughout my interviews, Mm -hmm. but listening to you has shown me the bravery it takes to actively listen and look for those stories. You weren't just sitting there and hoping that something would hit you. Sometimes, yeah, there's, there's chance encounters and it comes to you, but I think it'll come to you if you're presenting yourself as the kind of person that will receive those news and carry it forward. So Thank you so much for enlightening me on that. For our last minute, do you think you could give a closing message that you'd like to share with any listener? Um, I think I'd just like to say that, you know, the world is, is still going on and the world will continue to go on. And I think there's still people being so creative in so many ways. And even if you're not feeling like being creative or, or productive right now, like that's fine. Like things are really wild. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's, you know, definitely a valid reason to be in, in kind of a slump, but there are still so many places to find joy and just a little little bit of, of laughter or, or a smile or anything like that. So do something kind for yourself, you know, support the, the people in your life that you can support. And, and hopefully there are people in your life who are supporting you and safe student journalism. <laughs> it's, it's, I think, a vital thing to, to support uh, your local local journalists, especially student journalists, because uh, we are, you know, the force that that kind of holds these institutions accountable and that, you know, can spread the word about amazing things that are happening on this campus. And, and we have a lot of power, even though it might might seem like we're, you know, just kind of a small entity uh, in this large kind of ocean of information yeah. and, and opinion and stuff. So, yeah, support as best you can your kind of local 
like journalistic institutions if they're doing good work. And that wraps up my interview with Brooke. Uh, Just listening to this interview and getting the chance to record it in the first place reminds me of how much love I have for the weekly. So I truly, truly encourage you to go and check out the Muhlenberg Weekly website. Just Google the Muhlenberg Weekly. And if you're a non-Muhlenberg student, just like trying to figure out how to spell Muhlenberg, it's M-U-H-L-E-N-B-E-R-G. Because even if you're outside of the Mulan bubble, I feel like it would be pretty valuable to look at the kinds of stories that we publish and what we're talking about. Because even when we were off campus, the students at the Weekly were doing an amazing job of trying to keep up with what's going on. So like I said, check that out. Also check out their Instagram at Berg Weekly. And yeah. Thank you, as always, for sticking around and listening, and I can't wait for you to listen to the next episode.